Hello and welcome back to the mystery room. I'm Shannon and I'm Abby. This week we are drinking. I'm going to throw get straight in there with the drink. Yeah. Cuz we always forget. So we are drinking rosé. We have um pushed the boat out a little bit and we've gone for a whispering angel. Yes, cuz we're fancy bitches. Yeah. So it's so nice though. It is probably the one of the nicest rosés we've had. Yeah. It's not the cheapest though. I'm not going to lie. With inflation and all of that. Even the small bottle is still like 13 or something pounds. It's only a small bottle. You can, you can get small bottles? Yeah, you can get like... So you could do the, we got the big one, which was... It was 20 pounds, by the way, this bottle of rosé. But it is nice. And then they do like a smaller bottle. And I am pretty sure the smaller bottle is like between 10 and 13 pounds. So it is quite expensive, but it is worth it. Like you need to at least try it once yeah it is very nice i won't lie to you but if you can't afford a 20 pound bottle of wine you can get substitutes for cheaper i think it's just the name you're paying for as well obviously i'm not gonna lie it is nice but it's definitely become more popular and i think this is a sort of wine that you get in marks and spencers and waitrose like yes you know that sort of higher end supermarket yes this week we have cross the seas and we are heading to the Vatican City. Italiano. So if we do... That was actually quite good, actually. Thank you. <laughs> you that. <laughs> so if we do mess up a few names, please do not shoot us because some of them are quite difficult. But we will try our best to make sure that we are saying them correctly. Do you know, at some point we need to pick a case where we don't have awkward names. Yeah. But I feel like all the missing people cases no offence do happen abroad yeah apart from a couple of them we've covered in the UK and America but a lot of them are abroad um so this case will be a long case there is literally so much information about this case it's actually really really interesting and just a disclosure there is actually a Netflix documentary on this called The Vatican Girl and I highly recommend watching it it's really really good and it goes into so much detail in July 2019, the Vatican had opened up two tombs inside a tiny cemetery in the hopes of solving the 36-year-old disappearance of a teenage girl. Opening these tombs suggested that someone inside the Vatican was involved. Now 40 years on, what happened to Emanuela Orlandi? Even to today, many Italians believe that there was a cover-up involved. Stay with us because this case is very confusing and there is so many theories as to what actually happened. So Emanuela lived in the Vatican City. So this means it's inside the borders of the Vatican and she had access to the grounds, which is like a small, they call it a country, small country inside Italy next to Rome, just for people that don't know where the Vatican is. She lived with her parents Urko Landi and Maria Pisano. She had a brother and three sisters. So her brother was Pietro and her three sisters were Natalina, Frederica and Maria Cristina. So we will, because obviously her mum's called Maria and her sister's called Maria Cristina. We will call her Maria Cristina. The Vatican had a population of only a hundred people. It's like a small village, only the difference between the two is at midnight, every single night, the Vatican closes its gate, so no one can get in or out. The Alandi family had spent three years inside the walls. 
Emanuela had just finished school for the summer, but continued to make music lessons in Rome three times a week. It was the 22nd of June, 1983. It was a hot day in the Vatican and Emanuela was running late to her music lesson. It was around 4pm when she asked her brother Pietro if he would give her a lift to her lesson. Pietro, obviously being an older brother, doesn't really want to do this. And he said no. And to this day, he regrets saying no. And he wonders if he said yes, would this have ever happened to her? Emanuela had left her apartment she lived in with her family and headed to the bus like she usually does. Before leaving school, Emanuela called her sister, Frederica, between the hours of 5pm and 7pm to tell her that she was approached by a man outside the school and explained that he was a representative of Avon and if she would be interested in working for them, handing out leaflets and advertising the cosmetic lines. Can I just say that's a big red flag in itself? What man works for Avon? I know. I'm sorry, I've never seen a man. Usually it's like old men. No, sorry. Usually it's old women on their bikes, isn't it? That's all I imagine. I can never imagine a man selling Avon. I know. You do you, but... No, it does seem a bit dodge. Yeah. Her other sister, Maria Christina, and her friends were sent to meet her at seven o'clock. She waited a while, but Emanuela didn't show up. So Maria Christina headed home. Once Maria Christina arrived home... She had asked her mother if Emanuela had come home, as she wasn't where they were meant to meet at 7pm. The Orlandi family knew instantly that something was wrong. At 7.30pm, the whole family went looking for Emanuela and retraced her usual steps. They arrived at the music school, and her dad went straight to the police to report her missing at 9.30pm, but was told it's too early to report her missing and sent him away. The gates into the Vatican closed at midnight, and Emanuela Orlandi wasn't there. The night passed, and the Orlandi family couldn't rest. As soon as morning hit, their mother went to report her missing, and showed them a picture of Manuela, and was told, quote, I wouldn't worry, she's not at all that pretty, and definitely not pretty enough to be abducted. She's probably run off. What the actual fuck? No, honestly, the you think that our past cases, the police work was shit. This is horrendous like horrendous not pretty enough to be abducted i'm sorry no i cannot no you'd punch them wouldn't you if any mother you would literally you punch them you would that's your child yeah and for them to not believe you is one thing but to say that oh your child's ugly don't worry she's fine yeah no one's gonna want to kidnap her it's just oh honestly when i heard that i was sitting there going Oh, I think this like this police force is the one that's annoyed me the most. Obviously, this angered their mother, and she demanded that someone did something. The captain, Mauro Obin, of the Carabinieri, which is the Italian police force in Rome, found out early on in the inquiries that two people, a traffic warden and a retired police officer, had noticed a girl similar to Emanuela was seen getting approached by a male. They described him as a man between 35 to 40 years of age and was about 1.8 metres tall, which is about 5 foot 10. The officer said that the man had parked his car, which was a green BMW, near the Italian Senate. They assumed that this was the Avon man Emanuela had mentioned on the phone. In 1983, there were so many teenagers that went missing and returned home shortly after, and at the time it was Mario Obin's opinion that Emanuela did the same. But her mother was very clear that Emanuela would not just run off like that. 
That same week, the Orlandi family published a photo of Manuela in the local paper, along with their home phone number. As you can imagine, they started to soon receive lots of calls, and out of all the horrendous calls they got, there was one that stood out. It was from a man who called himself Pierre Luigi, and said him and his girlfriend were at a place near to the music school where Emanuela disappeared, but he called her Barbara. She had a flute in a bag and was selling Avon products. This is when the family knew that she hadn't run away. Things started to get even more strange for the Orlandi family, and on Sunday the 26th, they got a strange visit, and they introduced themselves as two agents from the Italian Secret Service. They said that they had set up a recording device in their home so they could listen to every incoming and outgoing call that they had involving Emanuela's disappearance. The family trusted the two strangers and allowed them to listen in on the conversations. Do you know, if someone just come up to me and was like, by the way, I'm Secret Service, I'm going to put a recording device in your home, I'd be like, mm, I need a little bit more evidence than that. I was going to say, that's not very uh, informative, but sure. So on the 28th of June, this is two weeks after her disappearance, they get a second call. Fortunately, they could record this call and it was someone called Mario. But he said, don't ask me any more than my name. This guy I know lives with his girlfriend. He has two girls at his place and together they sell clothes, perfume and she is called Barbarella or Barbara. She's a good looking girl with dark hair her only regret is that she was meant to do something for school. She had a concert and this time she was going to sing. What this man Mario had said on the phone was true. Emanuela was supposed to sing in the choir, not play the flute. These details were never public, so he must have known something. Her whole family felt depressed. Her sister would shut herself away in her room and her mum would constantly call out for her daughter and she would ask her son if he had found her and to go out and look for her in a harrowing voice. You could imagine it, couldn't you? Yeah. On June the 29th, the family had posters printed with Emanuela on them and plastered them all over Rome. No one could go anywhere in Rome without seeing her face. And on Sundays in the Vatican, the Pope would always appear to a large crowd, which was attended in St. Peter's Square. And on Sunday the 3rd of July, 1983, Pope John Paul II at the time spoke about Emanuela. He said, and I quote, I would like to express the heartfelt feeling with which I join the Alandi family who suffer for their 15-year-old daughter Emanuela, who has not returned home since Wednesday the 22nd of June. I share my anxieties and anguished trepidations of the parents we will not lose hope in the spirit of humanity for those who are responsible in this case. I am talking to whom is responsible for this and I hope she will be returned to her family. A lot of people found this speech from the Pope odd because he wouldn't usually make public announcements on things like this. Some of the wording he used sounded as if he knew what had happened to Emanuela and who was involved in taking her. While the Pope was making his speech, and the people of the Vatican and Rome were questioning his speech. The police were searching into leads of the Avon man. The Alandis had another phone call two days after the Pope's speech. This time it was a man who spoke Italian, but with a foreign accent. He said he was the American. 
and was working. <laughs> he was the American. That's literally all he called him. He called himself the American. It's really weird. And he was working closely with the Vatican Press, and from here forward, he was known as the American. So the American said, "Listen carefully. We don't have much time. This is about your daughter. I spoke with your daughter tonight." He then proceeded to play a voice recording, which said. National Boarding School Victor Emanuela II and this played over two, three times before the recording of a girl's voice went on to say I should be in the third year of high school next year. The Alandis knew straight away that that was the voice of Emanuela. The American went on to say that both Luigi and Mario were working with him. <laughs> yeah, I know. Luigi and Mario. <laughs> When I when I started listening to this case and reading up about it, I was like, "You couldn't get any more like stereo like no offense like stereotypical like are they Italian names Mario and yeah Luigi yeah? so they were working with him. This phone call confirmed all their involvements in the disappearance of Manuela. At the end of the phone call, the American gave the Alandi family a deadline of the twentieth of July. They said. They won't give Emanuela back unless the Italian authorities release Mehmet Aliaka. So, who is Mehmet Aliaka? For purposes of the fact that we can't say his name, and it is easier, we are just going to call him Ali. On the 13th of May, 1981, at just 23 years of age, he tried to kill the Pope. The Pope was blessing the crowd in St. Peter's Square when gunshots were fired and two of the bullets had hit the Pope one in his left hand and the other one in his chest. The shooter ran away from the Vatican territory into the Italian territory when an... (laughs) 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 Could you just imagine a nun rugby tackling it? I can't imagine a nun rugby tackling anyone. That's great. Basically, uh, he ran away into the Italian territory when a nun rugby tackled him. (laughs) We shouldn't laugh, but you could just imagine it, couldn't you? Nothing against nuns. I mean, I'd fucking love to see a nun rugby tackling someone. So would I, honestly. I would love it. So yeah, nun rugby tackled him and he was arrested. Okay. funny. Yeah. Ali changed his story as to who was behind the assassination of the Pope. He said that he acted on behalf of the right-wing Turkish terrorist group, the Grey Wolves which he was a member of, and he later said that it was the Soviet intelligence service, the KBG, who was actually behind the plot. Ali claimed himself that Emanuela had indeed been taken in exchange of his freedom. He confirmed she was safe and not in danger, but never offered proof of this. The police in Rome finally decided that this case was a bit more important and started looking into this case properly. One of Emanuela's sister said that if Ali was involved, that they would never see Emanuela again because it's much bigger than them and they are powerless. The deadline day came and Ali was still in prison and yet Emanuela's body still didn't show up. Ali ended up serving 20 years in an Italian prison before he was extradited to Turkey in 2000. He was released on parole in 2006 and the case of Emanuela Orlandi went cold and there were no new leads. But I like how they only took it seriously when there was like a terrorist involved. Yeah, well, of course they would, wouldn't they? At first, she's not pretty enough to be kidnapped. Oh, no, one minute. This is a big old terrorist group. We better get involved now. 
15 year old went missing, deal with it properly in the first place. So fast forward to April 2nd, 2005, 22 years after Emanuela went missing, Pope John Paul II dies in his private apartment in the Vatican. Two days after his death, a new witness came forward. An anonymous caller made a report to the police telling them to check out a crypt inside a church in Rome. When the reporter went to the crypt, they realised it was the body of Enrico de Pedis. This is when de Pedis's ex-lover came forward for an interview, and her name was Sabrina Mignardi. When Sabrina came forward, the Italian authorities reopened the case. De Pedis was a mafia boss of the Banda della Magliana, she claimed that she had Emanuela in her apartment at the request of De Pedis. Sabrina alleged that the teen was at her apartment for 10 days before she was returned to a man dressed as a priest, near the Vatican. Sabrina first came forward with her testimony to a journalist called Giovanna Petrica. When she first heard Sabrina's story, she didn't believe her. It seemed too far-fetched. But the more Sabrina went on, and the accounts that she gave, she soon started to believe her. They retraced Sabrina's steps from that night and went down the road of thousands of bends to confirm at the Vatican petrol station that Sabrina claimed to have handed Emanuela over to the priest was there. They then had to verify the apartment in which Sabrina claimed to have kept Emanuela. They found that the apartment had been brought by a woman named Daniela. She belonged to the group which was involved with the Banda della Magliana which confirmed the description Sabrina had given were truthful as all her accounts had matched. Sabrina described the apartment in great detail and was very precise. She was able to confirm what they had found inside. They had the floor pans from the apartment and noticed that one of the walls entering the apartment seemed to have been built after the plans were made, as it didn't exist in the original plans. This new wall created a small secret room, which we will post some pictures of on our Instagram. Giovanna said, I saw scenes I didn't ever want to think about. The Orlandi family believed that the Banda della Magliana are involved in some way in the disappearance of Emanuela, but why would the Banda della Magliana take a 15-year-old girl from the Vatican? That is true, like, why... You sound really good when you say that, by the way. I, I, it, it was a mouthful at first, yeah. but... The Banda della Magliana... They were split into two groups in 1983. The Testaccini, which is from the area of Testaccio, which is in the centre of Rome. And these were led by Renatino. The Magliana, which is another part of Rome, and this was led by Maurizio. This was until 1992, when he was arrested and became a police informant. In 2017, Maurizio was approached by a reporter for an interview and they asked him about Emanuela. Maurizio went on to tell a story about when he was in a detention centre in Villa Gina. He was visited by a gentleman from the Banda della Magniana, and this was to update him on what was going on in the outside world. This gentleman ended up mentioning that they took Emanuela because of the money that was given to De Pedis, which ended up in Vatican banks and had not been paid back to them. Basically, back then, and it probably still goes on today, the Vatican's banks was run by a man called Roberto Calvi, I want to say. He's quite well known. And he was accused of funneling covert United States funds to the Polish trade union 
it was really weird because he was found hung in June 1983 in London. There were rumours for many years that tombs with de Pedi's body needs to be open as it holds clues to the disappearance of Manuela. In 2012, the body was exhumed, but the search turned up with no links. Also in 2012, Father Gabriel Amoff was a leading exorcist at the Vatican, and he had told the Italian newspaper that Emanuela had been kidnapped for sexual exploitations. He said, quote, It has already previously been stated by Simone Duca, the archivist at the Vatican, who was asked to recruit girls for parties with the help of the Vatican guardsmen. The network involved diplomatic personnel from a foreign embassy to the Holy See. I believe Emanuela ended up a victim of this circle. One of Emanuela's high school friends seemed to confirm this theory, saying that Emanuela phoned a week before she went missing and said someone close to the Pope was bothering her while she was walking around the gardens of the Vatican and was making sexual advances towards her. In 2017, Italian investigative journalist Emiliano Fittipoldi published a five-page document that was allegedly stolen from a locked cabinet in the Vatican. Emiliano was prosecuted and then cleared by an Italian court for publishing financial documents stolen from the Vatican, known as Vataliks. Emiliano said that the documents linking to Emanuela, allegedly written by a cardinal, listed expenses for Emanuela's accommodation in London between 1983 to 1997. Emiliano theorised that a final large expense would explain the potential transport of her body back to Italy. The Vatican has denied the authenticity of these documents. The Orlandi family in 2017 also received an anonymous letter suggesting her remains were buried in the Teutonic Cemetery in the Vatican City. The letter referred to a marble statue of an angel above a tomb where two German princesses were believed to have been buried and to look where the angel is pointing. The tombs were eventually dug up and it was completely empty and the discovery only raised more questions. Because there was literally no one in these tombs. There's meant to be two German princesses and both tombs are empty, completely empty. This is so... Bizarre. Yeah. It's been 40 years since Emanuela Orlandi disappeared. Her brother Pietro and his siblings continue to lead efforts in finding his sister. The family still think there is hope and they will finally get the answers they are looking for. Pietro said he's had a few exchanges with the Pope Francis, who told Petrio that Emanuela is in heaven. The Vatican has always denied any involvement in the kidnapping of Emanuela and vows to cooperate with any investigation. Pietro only wishes for the truth to finally come to light, so his 92-year-old mother can at least bring flowers to Emanuela's grave if she is dead. He said, quote, The only thing I am sure of is that the Vatican knows the truth. They know what happened that day, and now I am asking for them to speak the truth, because it's about time that they did. Too many years have gone by. An investigation has now begun again, when Alessandro Didi, the chief of Vatican prosecution, said he was looking into Manuela's disappearance, and on Thursday last week said that an initial review of evidence gathered so far, as well as interviews with people who worked in the Vatican over 40 years ago, has uncovered leads which are worthy of investigating. This is such a weird case. I don't it's even like, know what to think about that. So many people come forward. I honestly think the whole Ali Acca, the terrorist, I do honestly think they only did that to try and get him out of prison. Like, I don't think they ever had him. One thing I will ask is, 
the leading exorcist, where, where did he even come from saying that she had been kidnapped for this sexual is, exploitation? Like, where did that even come from? This is why people think that it's like an inside job, like someone in the Vatican and that the Pope knows what happened to her. A hundred percent. That is obvious. That like, is so blatantly obvious. If it all come out to light that, yes, the Pope was involved, the Catholic Church would just go Mm -hmm. down like literally it would just blow up massively yes it was also stated that the mafia boss he also drove a green bmw right and also the fact that she said this is uh sabrina handed her over to a guy dressed like a priest i'm pretty sure people in italy they are very very they're very catholic yes like they're very religious and it's like i couldn't imagine just someone randomly dressing up as a priest does the new pope pope francis know what happened or did it go to the grave with john paul ii that's a good question because usually if someone goes missing they were always found they usually are always found mm-hmm. in some unless it's in some yeah but unless you have a higher up power in order to hide it for longer most people aren't clever enough to get rid of a body especially rome's not huge the vatican's tiny i have little belief that she is alive i alive. don't i don't believe she's alive no whether or not he took her to the grave with him like there must have been other people that knew de Pedis. yeah but obviously so, he's dead as well yes i but... do believe her because it's like she was very detailed in her interview yeah of like where she took her, the robes, where the petrol station was, what the apartment looks like, where she was kept. I think since little's come out about it, since I do think, the first papers died. I do also think it was all very corrupt and it was like they were moving money into the banks mm-hmm. and they were obviously using dirty money as it would be because the money in the Vatican banks are meant to go to like the churches, to the schools, like you know, to help the community. And their money was obviously helping different organisations. Yeah, different potential. And they're then saying, well, we want our money back. Yeah. So they probably did find a girl that was in and out of the Vatican because she always went to school in Rome, so they probably saw her walking in and out, in and out, in and out. And she probably was just an easy target. The Vatican banks owed these mafia bosses loads of money. So what are they going to do? They're going to take someone that they think is important in the Vatican not realising she's only a 15-year-old girl. Yeah. I always like your theories. But I don't know if she was, like, if they killed her or they just used her and like or made her, like, you know, a sex slave, sent her away. That's disgusting. Or did the Vatican pay them off, get Emanuela back under the condition that she couldn't return home because she couldn't speak, so then they did send her to London to live in London, like they say, and then gave her a whole new identity... But then surely now she would think, well, Pope is dead. But then Pedis is dead. I can just go back. But maybe she's too scared to go back. There's so much on this case. Honestly, so much. And the fact it's been 40 years and there's literally... There's no trace of her going missing. There's literally nothing. There's no evidence at all. Like, obviously, like, nowadays, there's cameras everywhere. So if someone goes missing on the street, you can pretty much track where they've gone. But obviously, back then, they didn't have all this technology to no. follow people around so she literally did like she vanished without trace usually when this happens and there's like no evidence of anyone going missing it's got to be a cover up 
because there would be some trace somewhere whereas if it was covered up by someone as powerful as the pope or if it was to come out that he was involved with anything like this yes oh my god the uproar with the catholics would be huge for there to go missing without a trace it's definitely i think it's definitely something to do with the pope being so powerful and being able to cover up so much so well so i'm going with your theory she was kidnapped for ransom to get the money back that they put in yeah yes that, that the yeah. banks basically spent on things they shouldn't have spent it on yeah that's what i'm gonna go with and that is why the guy hung himself in london because it was all coming to light there's like a massive uproar about this whole thing yeah saying that like they're re- they're being properly investigated into now these vatican banks mm. and i'm pretty sure there is a investigation between boris johnson and the kbg no way because they're all involved in the vatican banks that's what I mean. Honestly, why are governments so fucking corrupt? Honestly. Pisses me off. Why do they always leave it so late to do these kind of things? So late. Because they need the proof, don't they, really? But it's taken them over 40 years to start doing more investigation. Like, Yeah, the Italian police annoyed me massively in this case. Imagine, um, imagine the fear of your child not coming home. Your 15-year-old child just not coming home one night. And you go into the police, she's missing. It's not it's not been long enough, come back another day. Or she's not pretty enough, she's probably just run away. Yeah, what kind of bullshit like, is that? Imagine that, like your whole world is falling apart. Yeah. And you're being told your daughter's not important enough. Like no. that is horrendous. No. And then it's being awful. told, Oh, okay, we'll have a look into the Avon man, but they're not gonna do serious investigation work. Oh, one minute actually this is getting a bit more serious now we'll actually take it a bit more seriously yeah it's just wrong it anyone is. that goes missing should be looked into thoroughly and especially as like they say the first 24 hours is the most important yeah in finding someone that's what i mean 40 years now so we hope you enjoyed that case um i really enjoyed researching about it and i really hope that this year they'll have a bit more information on it because I do I feel really sorry for this family like they are such a lovely family if you watch the Netflix documentary her brother pretty much does all the talking the rest of the family are in at some point but they just seem so lovely and it just seems really horrible to have happened sadly I do think because it's probably a cover up from the Pope and others I don't think it's going to be solved because again they're so powerful I just don't think they're going to get anywhere with it personally but you know you never know we can hope we can hope we have exciting news oh yes we do take it away abby so we will be doing a competition over on our social media so we will be giving away a 25 pound amazon voucher to one lucky winner i know spoil yourselves we'll put the conditions on our instagram our facebook but all you have to do is just like comment share review follow yeah basically just spread the word about this lovely podcast tell your friends you know tag your friends anyone who's interested in true crime get them on board with the mystery room so keep your eyes peeled on all our socials yes uh we will be posting it over the next few days probably yes um so yeah like Shan just said just keep an eye on our social media and for people that don't know our social media so on instagram we are the mystery room pod 
and on Facebook we are The Mystery Room Podcast and you can find us over there and obviously we are on all podcast platforms apart from Apple so give us a listen and share the love people yeah and also on our Patreon as well you can you can get early access to our episodes on Patreon when someone signs up which is just the mystery room and if anyone has a wine company that would love to sponsor us I feel like we are the best podcast because you know we like to talk about wine beforehand we do so here's that people yeah we love wine have a lovely weekend I'm off to Dublin this weekend and I can't wait have a wonderful time I will and you have fun at home thank you (laughs) enjoy Bye. bye